Welcome back to our next edition of the CBB Review Studio Podcast. I am Dan Siegel, joined as always by my co-host Ben Anderson, and we are also joined today by our SEC writer here at CBB Review, George Bagwell. George wrote a lot of what we are going to preview today, and that is our continuation of the CBB Rank Countdown of 100 days until the college basketball season. So we are counting down 100 to 1, one team profile every day. And today on this CBB Review Studio podcast, we are going to preview teams 85 through 81. Let's get started. So we are going to start with, like I said, team number 85, and that is the Georgia Bulldogs, who was set back a little bit by Tom Crean as a program. But Mike White has them back on the come up. What do we think about these Bulldogs? We'll start with you, Ben. Yeah, I really like the hire, actually, of Mike White for Georgia. I think he was a better fit than Tom Crean ever was for the program. And while they do lose a ton from last year's roster, including their top three scorers, I think he's building something that is really interesting, and I really like the transfers they pulled in. I like the two guys he put up here. Noah Thomason was just a microwave scorer at Niagara. I think that will translate well, even if he doesn't put up the same numbers in the SEC. And then Jaden Deloach, Jalen Deloach, excuse me, that is the type of wing that you want on your team no matter what if you are playing at a high level of college basketball he's athletic he has uh, good defensive abilities and i think he has really a lot of potential to be a, a good player and a good piece for georgia but the one person that you don't have up here that i really like to talk about is rj sunahara he's a d2 transfer from nova southeastern put up big numbers there and i know it's always a difficult transition but i think that Sunahara can bring a lot to the table as that 6'8 transfer that can play on the wing along with Deloach. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think Deloach might just be the best defender in the SEC. I don't think it's a stretch to say that, at least now that Oscar's gone from Kentucky. Um, one player, again, on the roster that I think is a bit underrated, uh, Jabri Abdurrahim. If y'all recognize the last name, that is the son of Sharif and the nephew of Amir who's now at South Florida. Speaking of South Florida, they brought in Russell Chewa, that center, seven feet, seven foot, 275. Last year, they had Braylon Bridges, six foot 10, 225. Chewa's got 50 pounds on him and two inches. Should be huge down low. I know Mike White loves a tall center, but back to uh, Abdul Rahim, the highest three-point percentage on the team last year highest in PER, first in wind shares per 40 minutes. Like you can debate, like is that analytic really able to tell how good a player is? But if you're first on a team in anything, really, it should be a pretty good indicator of how good you are. Yeah, I think the one strength of this Georgia team is definitely going to be depth, something that they have a lot more so this year than last year. And I really like Abdur Rahim. I feel like George Hughes, actually, you're a make or break player. I feel like he still hasn't reached his full potential. He had, I think he was actually the third leading scorer on Georgia last year, third or fourth, but he really hasn't improved his three-point shot. We know from his Virginia days how he just needs an opportunity and could definitely be one of the better players in a power conference. And, yeah, this team has depth. A guy we haven't mentioned yet, RJ Melendez, highly touted guy from Illinois as a transfer. My question is, is there an alpha guy on this team? Who is the best player on this team that is going to be the guy you need to go to 
when you need a bucket. Is it Noah Thomason from Niagara? Maybe, but the SEC is a is a lot higher level of competition than what he's used to playing at Niagara. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't feel really comfortable asking Noah Thomason to be a number one option here, especially with the transfer up to such a high level of basketball. But I do like a lot of the pieces. I think that no one's going to enjoy playing Georgia this year. And I think that's a good thing for Mike White in his second season. Yeah. And like I mentioned, they have top 30 ranked classes at high school, top 30 from the portal. Georgia's going in the right direction. A program that I'm not sure the direction they're headed in, though, is our 84th team, and that is the St. Louis Billikens, who I wrote this, and this was actually my article. They are in an interesting crossroads because they are winning enough so that Travis Ford could keep his job, but they're kind of following the trend of the rest of the Atlantic 10. They're not as good as they probably were 10, 12 years ago. And I think this year, if you're looking at St. Louis, their goal has to be the NCAA tournament. They will also, though, need help from the Atlantic 10 in getting there because, like I said on this slide, the Atlantic 10 was a one-bid league for the first time since 2005. So the problem with the Atlantic 10, I feel like, is that a lot of the high major programs, the power conference programs, still view these schools as kind of trap games and they don't want to schedule them. So the Atlantic 10 has weak non-conference schedules. And when they're losing these buy games, it leaves them very little margin for error otherwise. And then they're not putting together a great non-conference resume, a great overall resume. That's why they're ending up with one or two bids the last couple of years. So they're going to need help from that. But I say all this to say that St. Louis just – they need a a big year. They need uh, something to get them going as a spark on their program. We do project them second in the Atlantic 10, but George, they do lose Yuri Collins and his 10.1 assists per game, which is an A-10 single season record. How do you think they replace this? Yeah, do- I think it's got to be a team effort here. Um, if you look at the roster now for this year, uh, Collins had more per game, more assists per game last year than the entire roster this year combined. And you could slide Mike Meadows into that one spot. That's what they'll likely do. But 2.2 per game from Portland just is not the same beast as 10 for St. Louis. I think Hargrove from the shooting guard spot could take a few of those assists. Uh, Tim Dogger, obviously, also a name to watch. But the main key for this offense, I think, is getting Gibson Jimerson the ball, getting him open and letting him probably save his coaches off the hot seat right now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest, Dan. I know you're the A-10 guy here, but I don't, I don't think I like the St. Louis roster all that much. Um, When you look at Jimerson, this was a great stat. You pulled 85% of his uh, points were off of assists. And if that's the case, is this a real 13 point number right per game? Or is it just the fact that Yuri Collins had to pass the ball to someone? Undoubtedly, he's a great shooter. But if he doesn't have that facilitator, I don't know how effective he can be um, doing the one thing he does super well. So I'm a little worried there if that's going to be your best player. They also have slight struggles with size 
if you look down the roster, unless Bruce Zhang, which is a, an unranked freshman, breaks out at seven foot, they're really not playing anyone over six eight. So that's another option. Um, I just I don't think there is a reason to believe that St. Louis will be very good offensively unless Mike Meadows gets back to what he was two years ago. And that's what I think the goal is. Yeah, you basically said everything exactly what I So we can move on to our 83rd team. We are now headed into the SEC, or back to the SEC, I should say. And we have LSU, who is now under year two under Matt McMahon. I think year one, progressing to year two will be huge for this program because Matt McMahon, he came over from Murray State and he – had a rough first season, but honestly, all things considered, it could have been a lot worse. He started his tenure with just zero scholarship players. George, you talked about this in your article, and he put together something with a few LSU guys he convinced to stay, plus the rest of the roster kind of made up of a few Murray State guys that he brought with him. They look a lot, things look a lot brighter this year, and it starts with transfers from the mid major level. Ben, talk to me about Jalen Cook from Tulane. So Jalen Cook's an interesting case. He actually started his career at LSU before transferring to Tulane, um, but now he was back in Baton Rouge, and he can score the ball like no one else, it feels like, right? This is an excellent piece to add for uh, for Matt McMahon, and when you combine that with Carlos Stewart, you're going to have a you're going to have a pretty small backcourt. Both of those guys are six foot and six foot one, respectively. But you're going to make up for it by bringing in a couple of players that they also had. They had bring back Derek Fountain, which is a good piece to have as a power forward. He's experienced. He can he knows what his job is on the court. But then you look at guys like Will Baker, transfer from Nevada, two-time transfer, actually, started his career at Texas. He can be a force on the inside. And then my favorite player that they brought in is Damian Collins, right? He never We never really saw what he could do at Kentucky. Um, but his athleticism has never been questioned. He's an absolute pogo stick, and I can't wait to see how McMahon is able to use him in this rotation of pre- uh, seven pretty strong players, I think. I think they're going to be able to score the ball pretty well. George, do you think that this team, 83, we have them ranked for LSU, do you think that perhaps as a site as a whole we underranked the Tigers? I think – Given the losses towards the end of the bottom uh, of the SEC, if you look at Vanderbilt, you look at other teams in that position, LSU might be the most improved team from last year to this year. Obviously, you can only go up from 2-16 and 16 in the conference. But replacing Adam Miller and Cam Hayes with Cook and Stewart is such a huge pickup for McMahon. Getting two guards that can shoot and shoot consistently is huge. Uh, Will Baker, 13.6 per game from Nevada. Mountain West has gotten so strong that at that point, it's really like a high mid-major. That can translate easily to the SEC. Stewart can score from all over the court. Uh, One person I really am interested in is Derek Fountain. Playing second horse to KJ Williams last year. Really, the whole team ran through Williams, but Fountain had sparks where you could see, oh, this kid is going to be probably one of the better options next year for the team. I think that 26 points and four blocks against Alabama, the number one team in the country at the time last year, it's fantastic. And then also freshman Mike Williams. LSU has still not 
the best guard depth. So getting him in early, uh, if he can shoot, would be fantastic for this Tigers team. Before we move on, I just um, just cut this out, but I, there's some like background noise. Is this coming from me, or who is, is who is this coming from? Because I hear it. Yeah, I think. Are you George? Are you shuffling papers around by any chance? Oh yeah, it's on my laptop. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, we could we could hear it just a little bit, but we're good. Right, I'm gonna move it to my table. Okay, sounds good. Okay, that's what it was. Got it. I thought. Okay. All right, so that's LSU. We stay in the SEC for number eighty-two, and that would be Vanderbilt, who is coming off of an NIT run, which is maybe. Not what is indicative of the job that Jerry Stackhouse did as he won SEC Coach of the Year last year, went 11-7 and seven in conference, 22-15 and 15 overall. But Vanderbilt still, I know this is a very difficult program to win at, but they still have not made the tournament since year one of the Bryce Drew era, actually. In 2017, it was expected to be a big fall this offseason as well, but honestly, it was not too drastic as – First off, they keep Tyron Lawrence, who scored an efficient 13.1 points per game last year. They also bring in some transfers, including Evan Taylor from Lehigh and the South Dakota kid, Tesos Macateros. I'm not sure what the pronunciation is on that, but both guys who had an efficient efficient double digit. I feel like efficiency is is a name of the game for this Vanderbilt team, but... George, I'll start with you. What are some of the positives that we see with this Vanderbilt team and the reason why they could, at the very least, replicate the success that they had last season? Sure. Yeah, getting Lawrence back was the biggest news out of this program for the offseason. He is a special talent. And it was kind of overshadowed last year by Liam Robbins. But Lawrence is very capable of being the number one option for a good team. And he decided to come back to Nashville. That's great for Jerry Stackhouse and the crew. Um, let's see, Tassos Comateros, as you mentioned, along with Evan Taylor, two big transfers. If Stackhouse doesn't get those two in, if he didn't, we're looking at a team that might not scrape the NIT. Then Ezra Manjon, uh, on the team last year, it's fantastic. If you are looking for a guard at the end of the game to get the ball in the hands of the most capable shooter on the team, Ezra can do it. You saw last year with the Tennessee game, drives in, kicks it out to Lawrence for three, Vanderbilt wins, and that kicks off the five-game winning streak. It eventually got them into the NIT. Um, let's see, in terms of backcourt depth, frontcourt depth, actually, that's going to be tough. Uh, we've got Lee, Lou, yeah, Lee Dort uh, penciled in as the starting center, as the only person above six foot nine on the roster. But he averaged 1.5 fouls per game in 6.5 minutes. So he's really got to clean that up if he wants extended minutes. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought up the front court because that's how that's actually where one of my favorite players is coming from. I think the Notre Dame transfer Van Allen Lubin was a really underrated pickup for Jerry Stackhouse. He did really well um, in his time at Notre Dame uh, as a true freshman, even especially considering how the system works under Mike Gray, where they play very few very few guys, a lot of minutes, and especially in the front court, you really need to stay out of foul trouble, and I thought he did a pretty good job of doing that. So I think he'll bring some solid experience, more so than 
perhaps other transfers on the roster. Kamateros is an interesting in an interesting position because he has some stretch ability. He shot 40% from three last season at South Dakota. I think that that might end up being your starting five and you just play an athletic Ben Allen Lubin at the five. Um, but, you know, we'll see what Jerry Stackhouse thinks of it. Again, like you said, Tyron Lawrence, biggest win um, by far of the offseason for Stackhouse. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think the potential breakout of Alan Lubin, who had a really good, a really promising, I shouldn't say good, but promising freshman season will be the key for this Vanderbilt team. Let's move on to our final team that we will preview today. That is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and they bring in Damon Stoudemire to be their head coach after firing Josh Pastner, who had that ACC championship in that 2021 year compromised by COVID. And they made it to the tournament, then got lost. I think they lost pretty handily to Loyola Chicago. So not much going on in the Josh Pastner era outside of that. And then Stoudemire... I would, I'll admit I was a little bullish about the hire at first, but now they have some promising signs. Of course, they have the highest rated transfer class in the ACC besides the Syracuse Orange, so that helps as well. They also return both of the members of their starting backcourt in Miles Kelly, who averaged 13.4 points per game, and Kyle Sturdivant as well. What do we think is the the ceiling on this Georgia tech team in the first year under um, Damon Stoudemire. Yeah. So I really like the backcourt that Stoudemire has put together. Sturdivant is somehow still in college, which is incredible to me. I thought he was gone like two years ago and yet he's still at Georgia tech, but miles Kelly is a huge, a huge returner for him uh, for, for the program. You also have guys like Debo Coleman and Amari Abram who have both had significant high major experience. And then, like you mentioned before, you bring Kwasi Reeves from Florida. I really like the uh, the backcourt here. My question is about the frontcourt, right? Tajon Claude was really productive at Western Carolina, but you always worry about a big man and what that looks like in the level up. Um, and then you have your neck of the woods, right, Tafar Gapare yeah. um, from UMass. Really promising, highly rated recruit to go to UMass, but um, then he transfers out. So you find him ending up at Georgia Tech. He has potential, but you never know how that's going to work. I think what they really need is Ebenezer Duana to step up and be sort of a veteran leader within that front court. He doesn't have to play the most minutes, but I think that would be valuable. In terms of getting Georgia Tech perhaps to, I think the top half of the ACC would be a really good goal for this team. Not Nothing too crazy, probably not an NCAA tournament bid, but just some promising signs of upward, upward, upward movement. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, Sturdivant and Abram could definitely split time at the point guard position, maybe the 1A, 1B type of situation. Uh, Amari Abram had some great flashes last year. Uh, it really a lost season down in Ole Miss with the departure of Kermit Davis. But, yeah, that that front court is really going to need uh, some help. They got Tafari got, got Capra, I believe Capri. that's how you pronounce it. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then freshman by Donko, three-star recruit. This team is going to be really guard-heavy. Even the sixth-man, seventh-man, eighth-man options, those are going to be in the front court. They got Ebenezer Dewona from NC State, but really more of a project there, just a rim protector. Yeah. He's not going to be able to score the ball or distribute 
But overall, I really like, I do really like this team. I think it might even be improved from last year's uh, last season of Josh Pashner. Yeah, I, I think this is a team we could I could easily see them finishing like bottom three in the ACC. I could see them finishing in the middle tier. It's really just what you want to do as a first year head coach is take a chance on a lot of high ceiling, low floor players. And just I'll elaborate on Gapari a little bit because I watched him a lot last year. I think he has the size, of course, to be a front court player, but he functions best as a wing kind of guy. He's also he has all the talent in the world, and you you would see that every once in a while with him making these crazy plays, these step back threes or these you know crazy dunks or putbacks or whatever. He is just so so raw, and the development of Gapare, who is a legitimate NBA prospect in my opinion, his development will really be a good litmus test on how good of a of a developmental coach. Damon Stoudemire is so that that's some that's a storyline I'm going to be looking out for but that's our five teams here today like we like I said we had 85 Georgia 84 St. Louis 83 LSU 82 Vanderbilt and 81 Georgia Tech we will continue our countdown from 80 through one as we continue through the offseason to the start of the regular season here at CBB review be sure to subscribe to our show here, if you have not already, whether you have found us on YouTube, whether you have found us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whatever, be sure to subscribe. We're trying to get those numbers up. Appreciate everyone. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And take care.